With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, NFL fans, welcome to the very first episode of the NFL Whip Around. I am Jeff Hartman. Heard me yesterday on the fans' first football show with Rob Statsquare. If you missed that one, make sure you go check it out. But this show is a little bit different. We're not going to be talking about every single game. We're going to be talking about the main storylines from the week that was. But this time, we are previewing the upcoming week. And joining me every single week will be our local coach, KT Smith. What's up, Kevin? How are you, Jeff? Great to do the show with you. This is going to be cool. I mean, have an opportunity now to. To get to really broaden our view here, you and I like talking about the Steelers, obviously, yes. but now we get to to pull back a, a little bit and talk about the NFL in general. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And we probably will be having some of this on our YouTube channel and everything. He's got a freaking whiteboard behind him. He's drawing up X's and O's. I mean, that's what that's what he's <laughs> all about. All right. So in case you don't know, Kevin is a very successful high school coach. How long have you been doing that, Kevin? Let the listeners know. Well, 30, 30 years altogether. Wow. 13 years as the head coach, so. Fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah, so what I'm, we're going to talk about summer in 30 years. So there <laughs> <go>. <laughs> Hey, that's like when I was coaching, I didn't have a spring break for a long time because we were always playing games over spring break. I get that. I get it. So we're going to be talking about the five storylines and specifically we're going to focus on around the national football league going one at a time. We're going to get your thoughts on it here, Kevin, and see what you think. And this article can also be found on fansforsports.com, so make sure you go check that out as well. We'll have this podcast embedded into that article, but let's start at the top. The Thursday night game, I think it's must-see television, not just because it's kicking off the season, but because you have these two teams. You have the Super Bowl champs, the Kansas City Chiefs, against the upstart Detroit Lions. Some are saying upstart. Some are saying maybe they're getting too much. I I guess they're being pumped up too much, considering the fact that they were a nine-win team last season, but nonetheless... The talking point is, are the Lions for real? What do you think, Coach? Yeah, that is a fascinating matchup. Kudos to the NFL, first of all, for creating an intriguing matchup like that. I mean, it just, you know, they they could have gone with a more traditional opponent for Kansas City, some AFC rival. But by picking the Lions, I think there's, that's a team with a lot of intrigue because, like you said, they haven't won a playoff game since 1991. And the last time they were in the playoffs was 2016. This is a traditionally downtrodden team, but they were on hard knocks last year. And I think that raised their profile and people got familiar with them. And their head coach is uh, kind of a magnetic guy. I mean, he's got a great personality and he brings a lot of energy. And and so I think there'll be a lot of interest in this game as to whether or not the Lions can be successful in this game. It feels a little bit like they're, I don't want to say walking into a trap. They know exactly what they're walking into, but Going into Arrowhead as the Chiefs coronate their 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 Super Bowl championship from last year is a tough ask. So, in all honesty, I think the thing that I'm more interested in, as opposed to the result, is how does Detroit conduct themselves? Do they conduct themselves like a veteran team, uh, a team that feels like they've been there before and that is not going to be intimidated by the circumstances, or will they be a bunch of young kids who kind of go in there cocky and then get? smacked and and don't know how to handle it that'll be very interesting for me to watch 
to me, this is the epitome of one game does not make a season. If Detroit goes into Arrowhead and gets beat, and even if it's not even that close, I don't think anyone's going to hang their heads and say, oh, the Lions are not who we thought they were based on the fact that that's a, such a tough environment coming off of a Super Bowl. I, I don't know the exact record. I know there has been a loss in the last decade. I can't remember. I think the Ravens lost on the road maybe to Denver after they won their Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. Don't quote me on that, but I'm going to look up that record and write that article. But still, it's a tough ask. But it comes down to me, and I'm going to ask you this question. I am not. I'll go on record by saying I'm not a believer in Jared Goff. I'm not. I don't think he's a franchise guy. I know what he did in L.A. with the Rams, got him to a Super Bowl. To me, there's parallels between him and like a Jimmy Garoppolo. He can get you there, but can he make the big-time play when it matters the most? This will be a great stage for him to prove me and other doubters wrong, but are you a believer in Jared Goff? I will say this. I think Jared Goff was a bad fit for Sean McVay's offense. Uh, I think that he was not as well-suited for that play-action boot uh, you know, move the pocket type style that he that uh, McVay prefers in in Los Angeles, and in Detroit he's been able to be more of a traditional pocket quarterback, get the ball out of his hand a little bit quicker, take the shots down the field when they're there. So I think that he's a better quarterback in Detroit than he was in Los Angeles. Whether or not he's the guy that can carry the Lions to a division title or a deep playoff run, I mean that's really the million dollar question. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him obviously to now when the spotlight has gotten a little bit brighter to actually produce i think last year the lions were an under the radar team Goff was a nice comeback story this year there's expectations so that'll be interesting to see does he does he rise to be able to meet those and he's like the veteran guy here now on a, on a team that's really young they got a lot of young skill guys so he's really has to be like the rock of that offense so so it'll be uh, fascinating to watch him for sure are we talking about the wrong thing here with the Lions, though? Their defense was god-awful last year. I mean, they sucked. They, they, they scored points. They put up a ton of points last year. Are we talking about the wrong side of the ball right now? And should we be saying that can the Detroit Lions defense even attempt to slow down Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs? <laughs> Jack Campbell will solve all their problems. <laughs> yeah, just one player. He's got it. <laughs> yeah. I loved him coming out of the draft. I love sure. Jack Campbell, but uh, but you're right. He's uh, he's not a cure-all. He's especially not a cure-all for, for a team like Kansas City, who's going to challenge you horizontally as much as they will vertically. Uh, it's Again, it's a tough ask for sure. But, you know, Detroit, they've – I think the blueprint right now is like they're they're just loaded with skill guys on offense, and until they can get that defense up to speed, they're going to try to outscore people. I think it's naive to think of them as a contender in the NFC along the lines of San Francisco and Philadelphia, uh, but at the same time, they've got uh, enough talent to be able to win that division. And again, it probably not probably a year away from being talked about as a contender. They got a lot of work to do on the defensive side of the ball for sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the next storyline. Very interesting storylines outside of that is these teams have finished three and zero in the preseason. There were three of them, the Pittsburgh Steelers, which we know very well, the Washington commanders and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Those three teams finished three and zero, a perfect preseason out of the three. Do you think any of them can keep it going? If so, which ones, what do you think coach? I mean, it's very hard <laughs> to not be biased in it as we answer this question. I, try, to I stay think neutral, of, try to stay neutral. <laughs> I, I will. Okay. So of those three, three teams, I think the team that is built for the most success this year is Jacksonville, simply because their division is not very good. 
Uh, they, they've got the most established quarterback of those three teams right now. They've got an absolute embarrassment of riches at the skill positions. They, they might rival Miami for the fastest offense in the NFL. So there's, there's a lot of stuff in place already in Jacksonville. They won seven out of nine to end last season, including that incredible playoff win where they came back from 27 down against the Chargers. So the, they're going to feel pretty good about themselves. And you know, in a weak division, they've got a path uh, to, to win a lot of games. I think the Steelers are the team that is probably the most uh, interesting in, in the sense that they're, they're still being picked by a lot of people to finish last in the AFC North. When you look at like the Vegas over underline, I think Pittsburgh's over under for wins is like 8.3, which technically predicts them to have a losing season. And every other team in the division is predicted to win more games. And I think that the Steelers will surprise a lot of people. They also finished hot last year, won seven out of nine to, end, to close the season. Absolutely dominant in the preseason. I know you can't get too much into preseason stats, but in the first half of their three preseason games, when the starters tend to play the most, they outscored their three opponents 62 to seven. That's pretty dominant. Yeah. So they, I think you'll find out a lot, of, uh, out a lot about the Steelers on Sunday. They open at home against San Francisco. And again, one game doesn't make a season, but, we're going to, you know, if the Steelers play well against the 49ers, I think that's a really a harbinger of things to come. And I think Washington has got, you know, they have a tough division. The NFC East is very tough. Uh, and, but the young, the, the second year quarterback, Sam Howell, he had a great preseason. A lot will hinge on him though. How, how, how far along is he? He's going to face some really good defenses. They've got a tough schedule. So Washington's probably got the toughest uh, route to success of those three teams. There's something about, you know, I I've I like Doug Peterson. He's down in Jacksonville now. I liked him when he was with Philly. Obviously, he won a Super Bowl there. Things went south in a hurry in Philadelphia. It just seemed odd when he lost his job there. And I I like Mike Tomlin. I think he's a great coach. Out of the three, Ron Rivera is the one that I'm like, eh, I just don't know. I feel like this is kind of a make-or-break year for him. He brings in Eric Bieniemy if the offense isn't improved. I know that's that's a lot of pressure on Sam Howell to be able to perform under those circumstances, but – you know, like you mentioned, you have to bring the divisions into play. And by far, Jacksonville has the weakest division of the three. The AFC North is going to be really tough this year. And the NFC East, say what you want. Phil Lee's the top, the, the cream of the crop. And then after that, it kind of, I think it waters itself down. I'm not a firm believer in Dallas. They're going to be competitive. The Giants are going to be better. But I would think most people would say the commanders are the fourth out of the four. So I think that it's going to be a tough road for them. Uh, if you had to pick one to make the postseason, out of these three, who who do you got? Well, I mean, I'll be shocked if Jacksonville doesn't win the division. So for me, they're the they're the easy one. Uh, Pittsburgh is just in that incredibly competitive AFC. There's there's pro- you could make a legitimate case for ten or eleven teams to make the playoffs in the AFC. So with the Steelers, it's going to come down to how do they fare in those really close games. Uh, it, it may come down to Kenny Pickett, right? I mean, he, yeah. how many times are the Steelers going to be in a game in the fourth quarter? where they're going to need uh, the offense to, to put together a scoring drive. And we saw Pickett do that a couple of times uh, late in the season last year. So I think, you know, again, I think Washington's got the toughest road because of the unknowns. I, I will say this, that what I've read, they're raving about Eric Bieniemy in Washington and the impact that he's had on both the offense and on Sam Howell. So, uh, you know, I can't put too much stock in just one individual, but his addition could be a difference maker there. 
For sure. Great point. Great point. So let's go to number three, the third intriguing storyline heading into week one of the regular season, which rookie quarterback will have the best debut. We're talking about number one overall pick Bryce young with Carolina. We have uh CJ Stroud in Houston. And of course we have Anthony Richardson. Go ahead, coach. I know you've got the schedule in front of you. Let the listeners know who they're, who are they facing and what does that look like in week one? All right. Well, I'll start with my condolences to CJ Stroud because <laughs> yeah, he's got to take a bad. <laughs> oh, he's taking a bad Texans team into Baltimore, and that yeah. that's not going to go well. Um, it, it, it you just hope that, like in all seriousness, you hope that they can put together enough success on offense to not have his confidence shaken. Everybody remembers back to Sam Darnold when he was a rookie and getting thrown into the mix and being overwhelmed and his, his fa- now famous, uh, you know, I'm seeing ghosts quote, yeah. which was really just a in, indicative of a, a young quarterback who was forced to play on a bad team before he was ready and just not given the tools to succeed. And, uh, you know, I don't know if Sam Darnold's ever recovered from that. So if you're, you're the Texans, you want to do the best that you can to protect CJ Stroud on Sunday and provide him throws he can make, uh, pro, you know, max protect them. Don't don't get into empty sets where Baltimore's going to blitz the daylights out of them and force him to make a lot of quick decisions. Um, so so that that's going to be the toughest one. But I think I think Bryce Young's got the easiest. Uh, I, I wouldn't call it easy, but he he's got the best recipe for success out of the gate. There they go to Atlanta, and Atlanta's a, a pretty good team offensively. But they were they were bad against the pass last year. They're twenty fifth in yards. I think at thirty first in sacks. So I don't think that Atlanta defense might be combined with Carolina's running game might might give him some opportunities down the field. And you know Richardson's got Jacksonville and and they're not a great defense either but he's without Jonathan Taylor so there's going to be a lot more pressure on his shoulders. So I think yeah I think you know I'd look for Young to have the best debut. Uh Richardson should probably be able to hold his own but won't be spectacular and Stroud just has to survive that one. One thing that was surprising to me and I want to get your take on this. It just seemed like this year more than others, and I know that everyone was highly discussing how this was a very talented quarterback class compared to the 2022 class, which was saying it was one of the worst ever. Um, it just seemed odd that all these teams made the change and said, these are our guys from the from the moment that, that the season starts, even before then. The announcements were made by all three organizations. This guy, this rookie's our starter. It's it's sink or swim, and we've seen quarterbacks get ruined by this before. Were you kind of shocked that all three quarterbacks in Stroud, Richardson, and Young were all named starting quarterbacks this early in the process? Yeah, I, I was especially shocked by the Richardson announcement because Gardner Minshew, who's the number two there, uh, he's he's done some good things as a starter. He's a guy who you could have gone with early, and he probably would have been able to to hold his own for a little bit. And then you bring Richardson along slowly the way that, um, that Shane Steichen did in Philadelphia when he was their offense coordinator with Jalen hurts. And I, I kind of thought that that would be the recipe. You'd see Richardson mixed into some packages and uh, some, some stuff that he can do that that's not real hard to execute to get his feet wet. And then maybe he takes over at the bye week or something like that. I don't know. Maybe the Jonathan Taylor, situation influenced their decision making when they realized they weren't going to have Taylor. Maybe they just said, Hey, we don't expect to be very competitive. Let's get the kid, the experience he needs this year. So that one really, that one really surprised me. I wasn't surprised about uh, Bryce young. Uh, I mean, Andy Dalton's the backup there. He seems like a great mentor 
And uh, and I think that they were very – they felt comfortable enough in their roster. Carolina's got the best roster of those three teams. And I think that they felt comfortable enough with their roster to be able to turn it over to Young. Uh, Stroud, a little surprising, too. You know, they don't have great backups. I think Davis Mills is the backup there. He's okay. Um, but you're right. That was a quick announcement. I think maybe part of that is they're trying to lessen controversy. They want to they want to end speculation. They want to end any kind of drama. It must be annoying as heck to be have to be asked about that every single day by every every reporter under the sun. And then they're they're essentially letting the the young quarterback know, man, this is your show, and so he can proceed uh, knowing that he's got the reins. The one thing that I, I consider when you you look at these three unique situations, I, the saying of one one game does not make a season. Can one bad season though ruin a quarterback, in your opinion, or do you think it just depends on the mental makeup of the individual? I think it's a combination of the two. Now this has taken us back a ways, but. Ryan Leaf's rookie year, if we go all the way back to 1998, yeah. was horrendous. And there was so much pressure on him because the big debate about who should have been the number one pick, him or Peyton Manning. And that's laughable in retrospect. But at the time, it was a real debate. But but also part of that was him. He was immature. He's, he's admitted it. You know, he's come out and talked about his, his immaturity and his selfishness and uh, inability to handle criticism. I think a lot of it comes down to the franchise. How well do they support the, these young quarterbacks, both on and off the field. I mean, are they giving them the tools to succeed on the field? But then off the field, do they have the right guys in their ear uh, to to make sure that they don't slip mentally? And I mean, that's the psychological aspect of playing quarterback, I think, is really undervalued because of the amount of pressure that that these young kids are on. So so there, I think there's the stability of the franchise and the, and the ability of the franchise to keep that young quarterback in the right frame of mind factors heavily in as well. These are all first round draft picks. You know, we always say like Malik Willis, a lot of people view the experiment in Tennessee is kind of setting him back, but he was also not a first round draft pick. I think he was drafted in the third round. These are top picks. Number one, overall draft pick for Bryce young, CJ Stroud going, I think third overall in the tight, maybe second or third, one or the other. The, they, they've invested a lot in these individuals. It's going to be really interesting to see how this pans out for them. Hopefully things go well for them. But again, sink or swim, it's going to start this Sunday. I All think right, there's increasing go. pressure oh, too on the franchises to get these guys on the field early. They're investing. Uh, if, if they're going to become franchise quarterbacks, they're going to command these absurd salaries, these now $250, $300 million contracts. If you're going to get, if you're going to sign into a second deal, and I think they want the evaluation out there early because if they if they feel as though they've misevaluated or they've missed on this guy, that they, they want to move on quickly. The amount of money, I think, it, it has to be a factor in some of these decisions. So when you look back at last season and what the Pittsburgh Steelers did with Kenny Pickett, and he didn't he wasn't inserted into the lineup until halftime of week four against the Jets at home, did the Steelers play play their cards differently? Or because they went to them in his rookie season, do you still think they got that evaluation? I, I still think that they inserted him into the lineup too early. I thought that he was unprepared. They, I, don't, I didn't see that coming, halftime of that Jets game. I no. figured if Pickett was going to go in, it would be the bye week. Uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't really given any first-team reps. Uh, and, and he, I mean, he was running with the third team for most of training camp and, and then early in the season. So, so they threw him into a situation where 
I mean, they they felt, I'm sure, that he was ready for it. But it just when you look at the at the arc of his rookie year, it certainly seems like he was unprepared early on, and obviously got better as he went. So that's yeah, again, it's a risk, man. And you're going to play a guy who 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 may not be ready, and you got to hope that he's mentally and physically tough enough to endure that. It's going to be something to watch. That's why it's a storyline for sure. All right, let's go to the fourth storyline, and that's where can an upset be found? That is one of the underlying things here about this upcoming week. There's the spreads. I mean, we've got a lot. In the article, you list the fact that Baltimore is giving 10 points at home. Uh, you talk about the Steelers are getting two and a half points at home against the 49ers, so they're home underdogs. Uh, you talk about uh, three points in L.A. with the Miami Dolphins. You're looking at the week one slate there, Kevin. Where do you see the upset? <laughs> I do not see it in Baltimore. <laughs> I mean, if I, I, I'm a terrible better because I don't know. I just, I, I get talked into things easily. I, I you know, I can, I'm an optimist by nature and I can, I can always see like, oh yeah, they can put this together, that together. So yeah. betting is, a, you got to be more practical than that. But, um, but I do not for the life of me see um, Houston, you know, covering that spread. I think, I think if you're a betting person that Baltimore is a pretty good pick there, but upset wise, I would not be surprised at all if the Steelers beat San Francisco. I think given the preseason that they've had, the progress they made uh, towards the end of last year, the offseason additions they've had, the Steelers, for for, for non-Pittsburgh fans who may not be as familiar with their roster as you and I are, they're, they're a deep football team. Uh, and the Steelers, maybe, maybe deeper than they've been in years. And uh, I think that the Steelers – will play with a chip on their shoulder. And it's also Brock Purdy's first game back after that injury. And that, you don't know how he's going to respond to that. I mean, I would I would imagine that the Steelers will, will put a lot of pressure on him and try to hit him early just to see how he responds. So that one wouldn't shock me. And then I wouldn't be shocked if Miami wins out, out in, in L.A. against the Chargers. I think that's going to be a really entertaining game, shootout kind of game, probably a fourth quarter kind of game. And, you know, I can definitely see the Dolphins – winning late in that in that affair so so those are those are if i had to say upset because week one's so hard to tell what an upset's going to be because we don't really know these teams just yet but those are two i would i would consider well not to mention there's eight division games in week one that those games are typically always very highly contested close football games it's tough give me an example here chicago and green bay all right so you have justin fields who knows what he's he ran the heck out of the ball last year. Couldn't throw it to anyone. And then you have the Jordan love experiment. His era is beginning in green Bay. How in the world would you ever say that one team is really favored over the other outside of home field advantage? It's going to kind of be a toss up because we have no idea what these teams are going to look like. And you go down this list of the, of the week one schedule and you like New Orleans and Tennessee, Philadelphia, New England. I don't know what that spread is, but that's an interesting game based on the fact that Bill Belichick is, you know, give him an extra week. A lot of people say he's going to think of something to slow down the Eagles in terms of the spread, not saying they're going to win straight up. Let me ask you this. I asked this question to Rob Stats Guerrero on the Monday show on the the fan, fans first football show. Are you a fan of divisional games in week one? No, I'm not. <laughs> no one is. No one no. is. <laughs> Yet they have eight in week one. I think the week one games, I'm not saying that the divisional games are not interesting. They are. But, but like, one of the reasons why Detroit-Kansas City is so interesting is because it's not a game you see. 
very often. You only see those two teams play once every four years. And you're matching up two intriguing teams who both have uh, a lot to offer. And and I'm not saying that that's how you make the schedule for week one. You just try to like find intriguing matchups. It's a much more practical process. But the division games to me are, are just better midseason later in the year when when now you know that the that the division is on the line, right? If you if you get, I mean, what's more interesting? Baltimore Pittsburgh week one, Baltimore Pittsburgh week 13, right? You know that week 13 game yeah. is going to be an absolute, yeah. well to use my college coach's favorite phrase, an absolute slobber knocker. Uh, and, and those are just the kind of game, you know, those are what you want to see. I mean, you see, yeah. you see like uh, another, like a Chicago green Bay game that feels like it should be in Lambeau in December. I know they play twice a year and, and you got to schedule some early, but uh, I, I, I'm not a huge fan. When every single NFL team has interconference games built into their schedule, I don't understand why you couldn't just say everyone's going to have like an, an interconference game or at least not non-divisional game in week one. It just seems to make more sense. So you have that Kansas City Detroit. If Detroit loses that game in week one on Thursday night football, A, no one's going to be surprised. B, it's not going to hinder them too much in terms of playoffs because it's not the conference record. It's not your division. So that that adds to it as well. So just an interesting layer. Yeah. And when when you look at the at the the non-division games that are on the schedule for this weekend, there's some really interesting ones, right? You get Philadelphia, New England. That's an intriguing matchup. Eagles uh-huh. against Belichick. That Miami. Chargers game is going to be a, a track meet. Um, I mean, Houston Baltimore is going to be a, a, a nightmare, but uh, you know, you're almost like it's like rubbernecking at the scene of an accident. You want to just see like how <laughs> just how bad it's going to be. <laughs> San Francisco Pittsburgh is going to be a great game. I mean, they, they have some really good. Uh, we already mentioned the Lions Kansas City. Right? Some really good uh, contests. I'd just like to see a few more of them. Yeah, and the NFL definitely went all in on the storylines on Sunday Night Football, the NFC East matchup, which I. To me, that's just, it's been, I've seen enough of Dallas, New York Giants on primetime. That's just me personally. And then obviously Aaron Rodgers, which leads us into the fifth storyline in week one. And that is the Aaron Rodgers debut on Monday night football Hmm. against the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. We're going to see a lot of the Jets. We've already seen a lot of the Jets on Hard Knocks. If you've watched that show, and I think it's been great. I've enjoyed seeing some of this stuff, but. Aaron Rodgers debut in the AFC with the New York Jets, highly anticipated by many, or is it highly anticipated by you, Coach Kevin Smith? I I am over Aaron Rodgers. Uh, <laughs> you know, like just the exposure is just uh, enough for me. I, nothing has nothing to do with his greatness. He's a great quarterback, and I still think he's a great quarterback. I watched some of that Hard Knocks, and it's I mean Aaron Rodgers walked around and he was almost treated like a like a deity. You know, like they they were treating him with such reverence. I don't know if that was like made for TV or if it was genuine, but that bothered me a little bit. Like I, like I know, look, everybody understands he's, he walks in as the unquestioned leader of that football team, but there shouldn't be, there shouldn't be guys looking at him in all. I mean, he's, he's going to make mistakes and he's going to screw up and he's got to be held accountable when he does. And I'm not, I, I don't know. I, that felt like a little bit of a red flag for me. Like don't treat the quarterback Quarterbacks all get treated a little bit differently, but don't treat him like he's above everybody else. And I mean, I, I, I say I think this could go either way for for New York. I think they could they could have a you know catch lightning in a bottle season. He's got a great cast of skill players. He could summon one more like prime Aaron Rodgers year and lead them on a deep run. Or I think it could all unravel. They could get off to a bad start. He could get he could go diva on them. You know, the New York media could get all over him, and he might he might not not like that. I mean. I'm 
I'm, I mean, that to me is like the, the popcorn moment. Get your popcorn ready just to see yeah. which way it's going to go with the Jets. How do, you, how do you think it's going to turn out with the Jets? I think it's going to be – I think he's going to have success unless one thing will keep him from it, and that's if the offensive line just cannot keep him upright. Uh, he has been prone to injury the last few years, whether it's something minor like a toe injury or something like that. They have hampered him. I mean, he's getting older. He's an older quarterback. And the one thing you've seen with Aaron Rodgers is he's never shy about displaying his disgust. We'll put it that way. Whether it's on field with the offensive line or teammates, whether it's to the media or Pat McAfee when he does his Tuesday spot there, there's always something. And so the New York media right now loves him because he's saying all the right things. They're watching him on hard knocks. He seems like he's a good leader. But when things start to go south, if they go south, I should preface it with if they go south, not when. What's it going to be? What's the tenor going to be amongst the media and amongst his teammates? And I don't think anyone's ever going to be looking over his shoulder saying, oh, is it Zach Wilson time? No, it's never going to be Zach Wilson time. But Aaron Rodgers is going to be tested in a way that he has not been tested since post-Brett Favre era in Green Bay, where like, what's this going to look like? We know what it looked like for all those years in Green Bay. What's it going to look like in New York? And let's also not forget in this week one game, we're talking about him going up against a high-powered Bills team where he's going to have to be on. The Bills look like garbage against Pittsburgh in week two of the preseason. They'll be fine, and they're going to be a very good offense. And I don't think we're giving the the I don't think we're giving the rest of the AFC East credence because when you think about Miami, when you think about New England's not going to be as great, but they're not going to be an easy game. The Buffalo Bills, the AFC, which we've talked a lot about in this show, this is not going to be a cakewalk, and that's why I was surprised that this happened. Aaron Rodgers could have stayed in the NFC, and he could have had a much easier road to an NFC championship game, and instead he went to the loaded AFC. We'll see how it goes. I don't know. Yeah. I don't mean, I mean, maybe that bodes well for his competitive spirit. Maybe. Um, but if it blows up, it's going to be must-see TV because it, when he blows it up, it, it'll be spectacular. <laughs> he, he is such a polarizing figure, too. I mean, he people is. love him or hate him. More people hate him than love him. And he's not changing who he is. So it's just the way it's going to be for the rest of his career whenever that ends. But – it's going to be exciting. Week one is finally here. Uh, is there a game, Coach, outside of Pittsburgh that you're like, if I could pick, I got to watch this one game. Let's say non prime time games. Which which game is that for you? I mean, the I I love what as much as I dislike the Patriots because they have owned the Steelers, or at least they did during the Brady era. Yeah. It's always fascinating for me to watch Bill Belichick coach teams, especially when he has a lot of time to prepare like in week one. So I think that it'll be really interesting. I mean, Philadelphia lost both their coordinators. And I mean, they're a really talented team, but their new coordinators now have to go to New England and match wits with Bill Belichick and his staff. And Belichick now in Bill O'Brien, uh, back as the offensive coordinator, has a guy who he's worked with and is familiar with. So that to me will be a, a really intriguing matchup. Will the, will the Philadelphia coaching staff, because Philadelphia is the better football team for sure, but will the Philadelphia coaching staff be able to uh, put themselves in position to let their talent win? If I'm, if I'm picking one and it's not Pittsburgh, because obviously we're Steeler fans, give me the Chargers and Dolphins. I think that's going to be a very entertaining football game. You're getting it in week one, so hopefully everyone's healthy, meaning Tua, um, 
you know, you talk about some of the weapons that the Chargers have had that could just never stay healthy. Uh, I'm a big Justin Herbert fan. I like him more than most of the young quarterbacks in the league. I think he's unbelievably talented and deserving of that contract he got. He's going to have to prove it now. That's the game that I'll be watching. But okay, Coach, I know you're going to be watching. Uh, any let us Let the listeners know where they can find you on social media. And you have a call sheet coming up. What's going to be talked about on that call sheet podcast on the FFSN NFL feed? Sure. We're uh, at on Twitter at KT Smith FFSN and uh, the call sheet uh, airs on Tuesdays. And our focus this week is on pregame preparation, really on, on how do you, how do you game plan for your opener? We're going to talk about uh, some of the, some of the ways in which you use what you, you saw and learned in the summertime in the preseason uh, to and and fold that into your opener, but also what what cards that have you kept, kind of in your pocket all preseason long? How do you prepare uh, for an opponent where you don't know exactly what they're going to do either? I mean, they, nobody's really put uh, much on on tape right now to be diagnosed. So how do you go into a week one where you have the opportunity to show some new things yourself, but you also don't know exactly what to expect from your opponent? I'm excited for that. I love that podcast. Make sure you check it out on the FFS and NFL feed. For me, you can check me out on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. And all of my work at the Steel Curtain Network, covering the Pittsburgh Steelers for Fans First Sports Network. For Coach Kevin Smith, I'm Jeff Hartman. We will see you next week as we're reviewing week one in the NFL Whip Round. Take it easy, everyone.